Hello and welcome to Dave's Disney View Podcast. A one-time cast member, a long-time visitor, and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, Dave brings you his unique perspective on the Walt Disney World Resort. Throughout the show, we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography. Please keep your hands and arms inside the moving vehicle at all times and enjoy the show. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Dave again. How's everybody doing? You know, one of the questions I get more often than not from my friends, from colleagues, from people I meet, even from people through the website, or even when I send a resume around, because I still have on my resume that I worked at Walt Disney World, I get the question, what was it like to work there? Must have been really cool. And I thought I'd take a couple of podcasts to go through what it was like to work there. You know, it's really something that was that was kind of special, and I wanted to bring that to you in a couple of parts. So, and now, here's part three. And then a while later, I moved up to a, a different level of control stock. We had um, one little warehouse down in the uh, down in the tunnel that uh, we used for uh, storage of some of the some of the merchandise in Disney, in the Emporium, and that merchandise. Was that merchandise was like the larger items, some of the larger plush toys, and so forth. At some point, uh, we acquired as a as a, uh, a store because every store is kind of run by a general manager, and yeah, you know, there's a whole hierarchy for how the the stores are run. We acquired another some more space down in the tunnel, and the tun- that tunnel space became uh, more space for more merchandise that we were going to sell because they were trying to grow the store and put more into it. And, you know, have more reserved stocks. So they didn't have to order as often, and it could always be there. Especially at night, it was always a problem. You might run low on something. But it was pretty neat to be able to uh, to put the merchandise in there. And uh, so one of my jobs was to build that warehouse out. I was uh, sent down there with a couple of other guys. We had this giant warehouse. I and mean, we walked in the first time, and bo- uh, all three of us just looked at each other and went, Oh, my God. It was just this giant warehouse with these 1970s carpets running through it. Um, it's the stuff you remember seeing in some of the videos from like the contemporary from when it first opened, those types of carpets. And we had all that stuff going there. And, uh, you know, we were tasked with building shelving to store all of the merchandise we needed to store. So we needed shelving, we needed hanging space, we needed everything. And it was like, I don't know, it felt like a hundred miles worth of shelving. It was probably like more like, you know, 200 yards of shelving, but, um, it was a lot of shelving. So we started doing that and we, we worked on it and we worked on it for probably a week two weeks, something like that, where we were in there every day and just putting together shelving. We were just building shelving. And it's the metal shelving like you, you can buy at Home Depot or any other home improvement store where you're just building this metal shelving. We're just building that. And we're down there and we're doing it for days and days and days and days and days. And it was really kind of interesting because, you know, once we had it built out, it was an amazing space because you could really store a lot of merchandise in there. But it was, uh, it was a fair amount of work for the three of us to, uh, to get together and make sure it was safe, too, because that was an important factor in the whole thing, to make sure the whole thing was safe. So we did that. And one of the really cool moments I had, and this was a, like the seminal moment of my, uh, of my experience, and I think about this one every once in a while. We were running low on shelving, and we called around to different areas, and there was one area over in Tomorrowland that had some additional shelving, and they said, you can come and get it. So I went over to get it, and I go over into... Um, where is uh, where Mickey's Star Traders is, and upstairs in there, there's another uh, like storage area, and they said go up there, take anything you want, 
you know, take all the shelving you want, just, you know, do what you need. And I went up there and there was a lot of shelving and I started to get that. And as I was standing there, I looked around and in this, in this storage room was like a treasure trove of memorabilia. It's almost like a time capsule. I looked around and I saw like signage from Tomorrowland and different pieces of memorabilia from different things, old, old shows, old restaurants. Um, I remember seeing specifically something for, uh, for, uh, the, uh, the Wedway people mover and something else for if you had wings. And it was just like different pieces and parts and, you know, like a hodgepodge of things, but it was amazing. And I, you know, it, I felt at the time, like I could have spent a week there just looking through all the stuff that was there. Cause you know, there were just boxes and there were shelves and there was other stuff, but you know, I only had a limited amount of time. So I spent about an hour just kind of digging through what I could, what was obvious. And it was just, it was amazing. I mean, it was just one of those great moments when you have that historical perspective on what Disney world was when it opened, you know, there was some stuff, I think I remember some stuff from park opening and uh, some other stuff in there that was just really kind of interesting. So there was a lot of neat stuff that was all over the place. And it was really worth spending the time up there. And I really hold that as a true memory of just looking around and finding really neat stuff. And unfortunately, it's in the age before digital cameras, in the age before, you know, you really um, thought about how to, how to document this stuff. I remember seeing it and being fascinated by it, but it didn't even occur to me to like write down everything I saw or, you know, do anything to kind of commemorate the experience. So instead I just looked through it and I left and I look back on it now and go, wow, I could have you know, really spent a lot more time in there. Or maybe if I had a digital camera, I could have taken more pictures or something. But as it turns out, that wasn't to be for me on that day. But it was a remarkable find for me. And I don't even know that the guys who let me up there even know that stuff was there. It was just really cool. So that was a, that was a tremendously fun thing to be able to do one time, was just spend some time in there. So, uh, you know, my days uh, got busier and more interesting as I, as I continued to grow. I, I did more, more stuff. Uh, as I grew into that role down in the, uh, in the tunnel, in the Utilidor, uh, one of the things that they asked me to do was help open a new shop, uh, that they were, that they were starting. And the shop was the firehouse, which is where the old fire station used to be, uh, at the end of Main Street. As you turn the corner, it's right next to the guest relations area. And they had built a, a shop in there that they called the firehouse. And I think now it's an expansion of the Emporium. It's just same, same merchandise. But what they wanted to do was sell fire related merchandise in there. And they'd, you know, they'd use 101 Dalmatians, they'd use Fireman Mickey, they'd, you know, kind of draw on all these different things that they had. And I was the control stock person for that store. So I, you know, I essentially ran the, the stock in that store. And it was really kind of neat. And my main base of location was down in the, uh, was down in the tunnel, in the Utilidor. And I, I did that. And I had overflow work for the uh, Emporium as well. And uh, that's, that's pretty much what I did. And I also did covered for some other the other lead control stock person who ran that warehouse area for uh, the um, the rest of the emporium on her two days off. So that was kind of my my role to do that. And it was really neat because I spent a lot of time in the utilidor and got to walk around a lot down there, see a lot of cool things. You know, kind of come in and out of the uh, of that of that work area a lot. And uh, it was it was just really pretty neat. Um, they had. Uh, they had a lot of neat things down there that you could just kind of happen upon if you were lucky enough or you happen to be down there enough, you just find them kind of by accident. Um, so some of my fondest memories of that, of that time, one of the things I remember really well, early in the day, you'd have, when the trolley was still running up, up on uh, Main Street, you'd have the horse-drawn trolley going by, and it was neat because down in the tunnel, you could actually hear it go, 
clump, 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 clump. And then you hear the as the car went overhead. And it was just really kind of neat to know, hey, that's the that's the trolley going over my head right now. And it was just really pretty slick. It was it was pretty cool actually. And um the other thing was at one point uh, during my time down there, they were doing a uh, United Way presentation. And Disney is really big with the United Way. And, uh, you know, they were doing the presentation to try and get cast members to give. And they had a, a promotional video that they would show before every group of cast members would come in. And the promotional, as they would come in, they'd be showing it. And the, the promotional video starred um, Bob Iger and um, Dick Nunes. And so at the beginning of the video, they'd talk for a second and they go, Hi, Dick. Hi, Bob. And I must have heard that video about 5,000 times. Well, probably more than that, but I must have heard it. I heard it so many times that even today, when I hear two people kind of in a phony sort of way, you know, where it's a setup sort of thing where they're saying, you know, calling each other by name, and I hear that, I always think, hi, Dick. Hi, Bob. Yeah, because obviously it was, it was all very staged and theatrical in the way they did it because they were just trying to make it seem homey. But it was just kind of funny, and it just sticks with me to this day. Um, hi, Dick. Hi, Bob. It just makes me laugh every time I think about it. But uh, that was, you know, that was another memorable moment. The other memorable mo- moment I had down in the uh, in the Utilidors was we had these golf carts to go around, and they were, you know, they're ubiquitous, right? So you're run- you're driving the golf cart around to get different pieces of uh, of merchandise around or move something from one place to another, and I did a lot of that, uh, moving stuff around. And they had these big uh, metal cages that you could attach to the back of the golf cart. And you could that way you could take a lot of merchandise with you to somewhere else if you needed to. And that's the way they delivered the merchandise that was going into the tunnel. The stuff that went upstairs, they brought on the truck. The stuff that went downstairs, they brought in these, uh, in these carts. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm down there and it's, you know, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm getting ready. You know, I'm, I'm finishing stuff up. And I had to return the carts to, um, to the holding area where they'd uh, return them and, you know, fill them back up and bring them over later. So... It was funny because they were kind of heavy and you could only take two at a time. But what I discovered was, much like a train, and here you go, more engineering for you, much like a train, if you back it up, you can take up the slack between each of them. And then the forward power, you only need to pull one at a time. So you can actually pull more weight. You could pull four or five of them as opposed to two of them. And the added benefit to doing this was as soon as you did it, if you floored it, you could make a nice crashing sound between them. So it would go, ka-chung, 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 as each one of them opened and, uh, and you started to pull them. And it was always kind of fun to hear that echo through the tunnel um, in the middle of the night because early in the day, it was so much noise and hubbub, you didn't hear it echo, right? It was just so much going on. But at, late at night, you could hear it echo and it was just something fun to do, right? Just something to kind of keep it interesting. Oh, but, you know, it was it was really amazing. And uh, so that was one thing I did. Another thing I got to do was uh, I ran the rain cage. And you may have noticed, anytime you're in the Magic Kingdom and it's it looks like it's going to rain or it does start raining, these uh, ubiquitous ponchos start showing up everywhere, or the umbrellas. And they're there, and they're always available for sale. During my tenure, it was my job to make sure that those were available uh, to have for every, every uh, location throughout the Magic Kingdom. There's one rain cage that has all the merchandise in there, and you know you get a call. There would be rain coming, or uh, you you get a call that uh, someone needed them, and they'd call you. You'd go down there. You'd help them load up their golf cart. They'd take off with the um, the ponchos and have them there. So it was my responsibility to make sure that everyone had ponchos. So for that period of time, if you bought a poncho in the park, I was probably involved in it in some way. But it was kind of neat. It was a, it was an exciting time to be able to uh, to do something really different and have some. I have some fun with it because you get to know different people in different uh, locations as well. 
And that's not the only way you get to know people in different locations. I mean, obviously, being in the Emporium at the end of the Magic Kingdom, the end of Main Street, you had an opportunity for guests to come in the store and want something. You forgot to get it in the back part of the park and you want it. Well, I could help you, I could help you uh, make that happen. I would go and I would uh, do some wheeling and dealing, I used to call it. I'd uh, pick up the phone and I'd call somebody in another area and I'd see if I could get it for you. And a lot of times I'd wander, I'd say, just wait here and I'd wander off and go get it for them and come back and I could ring it up for them and, and uh, have them on their way. So that was, you know, that was part of making the guest experience truly wonderful. You were taught in traditions, and it carries through, that any time a guest came up to you and asked you for something, you were to drop what you were doing, unless it was safety or security related, and help that guest. That's it. End of story. No questions asked. How many places do you know where you can say that? Where you, you would go in there. You go into a big box retailer, or you go in anywhere, and you ask somebody for something, and they hang on, or you can't find somebody. Here, we're there to help. That was the whole idea. And... You know, it was just really neat that you could do that and you were you were empowered in some way. You know, that was the coolest part about it. Yeah, you're not making much more than minimum wage. And yeah, the hours may be terrible, but this is a great place to work because I'm empowered and everybody around me is having fun and everybody's enthusiastic and all the people here are just really having a good time. And there's nothing like it. You know, and I, I had some great fond memories of, of doing some of the things there and just getting involved in different pieces of, of what I did that were just fun. I still remember we, we were selling Madame Alexander dolls at one point, and a woman walked in the store and she asked, oh, I see you have these. Um, I'm looking for a low number, like, say, anything from 1 to 10. And uh, I want to, you know, I want to buy one. And I said, I'll tell you what. I will go and I will find you one. If you want to just wander around and come back in an hour, ask for me, and I'll help you, uh, I'll help you get one. And she wandered off, and I went down into the, uh, this, those uh, particular dolls were held in the tunnel. And I went down in the tunnel, and I looked, and I went through every single box looking for the lowest number. And I think I found, found something like numbers 3, 5, and 8 or something like that. And so I brought them all up, brought all three of them up. And when she came back, I pulled them out, and I said, is this what you're looking for? And she was just wowed. I mean, she was totally flabbergasted by the fact that someone went to that level of detail to find her not one, but three. And I said to her, wasn't sure what, you know, what condition you were looking for them in. Maybe the hair is not right, or maybe the, you know, the color isn't right or whatever, you know, wanted to make sure that you got the one you wanted. And she just looked at me like, wow, you know, I, I exceeded her expectations on that day. And, you know, I was, that was one of the times that I got one of the uh, guest relations letters that was calling me out as doing something really fantastic for a guest. You know, she went and she made a compliment. And by the way, anytime you're in the parks and someone exceeds your expectations, go and make a compliment. Go to guest relations and just compliment that uh, that cast member. Or send a letter later. Whatever you need to do, just, just do it because it's the right thing to do. And it really does make a cast member's day. And so I... Um, I got that compliment and it, you know, I was just doing what I thought was my job above and beyond because that's what I was empowered to do. And so I rang it up for her and she went on her way and she was really happy. She picked the one she wanted and she was very happy. And I, I love that. I love that moment. And I, you know, I just, I treasure that because I, I really made someone's day. I also loved making kids day. Kids come in the store and, you know, sometimes they'll have a name embroidered on their hat or they'll have a name tag on or a name badge on or something so you know their name. And you kind of give the parents a wink and then you go, hey, Billy, how are you doing? And they just look at you like, how did you know my name was Billy? And you start talking to them and you get down on their level and you talk to them and you have some fun with them. Hey, did you see Mickey today? Did you do this? Did you do that? And they're just having fun because now somebody is trying to engage them. 
right? This is about them. And, you know, it's not about their parents and it's not about getting on an attraction and it's not about doing one specific thing. It's about something that's so one-off and so distant and so different that they just don't expect it. And I know that I, uh, you know, I know that I helped a bunch of kids that way, you know, made them really feel good about being there. Not that kids weren't having fun anyway, but I think I really just kind of turned it a little bit because now the parents had that little inkling of a memory too, of something, you know, where a cast member just went a little bit above and beyond to include their kids in something. I didn't have to do that, but I wanted to do that. I wanted to be a part of their, their, their memory of it. Not that they'd remember me specifically, but just that they remember having a good time and there was a, a silly man who talked to them. That's all I was looking for. So that was, uh, that was my take on it. And as, uh, you know, as I continued to grow, I was doing more and more, you know, I kept doing more and more, um, toward the end of my, uh, my tenure there. I, um, I was working, it was the strangest shift. I had two opens and I want to say they were, um, Sunday and Monday. Then I had a mid shift on Tuesday. So my opens were at like seven and my mid shift started at like 11 or 1130. And then I did two closes after that. And, uh, those were, um, those would start around uh, four o'clock in the afternoon or so. And it was, that was just brutal. And then I had Friday and Saturday off. It was just, oh my God, your body's so out of sync. But it was okay because I was doing some good work and having some fun. And I loved my closes. My closes were the most fun because I, I could always go up and uh, plan to do my box run where you, where you um, take all the uh, cardboard boxes and you, um, you, you band them together. You basically compress them down and band them together. I would do that during the fireworks. And then I would do my trash run during Spectra Magic. So I would get to see Spectra Magic every night I was there. And it was kind of fun because I got to know a couple of the performers in Spectre Magic. Again, the camaraderie. And I really had some fun with it to get to know some of these people and, you know, just a little bit and just have some fun. And, I, you know, I love that. And it was great. And, you know, then came the time when it was, when it was decision time for me. I'd been there for the better part of a year. I'd uh, been doing a lot of stuff. And clearly I was growing and expanding my role. And one thing I've heard people say... Uh, and this was people that I talked to, and this was people outside, uh, you know, who had worked at Disney, and this was people who um, I'd heard, you know, like being interviewed at various times. If you want to get ahead, you have to be patient. And, you know, here it was, it'd been a year, and I'd, I clearly had, had gotten ahead a little bit and really was in a good position to move on and, you know, maybe do something even bigger and better. And I, the question was, did I want to hang around and do it? Well, you know, it was a more complicated question than it seems because I, I really did, but yet I was having a little bit of a, well, I don't know even know how to put this. I was having a little bit of a personal issue um, with a girlfriend and there was some, some stuff going on. And I knew that I had to, uh, to get out of the situation. And the only way to get out of the situation was to actually physically move away. And to physically move away meant I had to leave and, um, you know, be done with it. It was just, you know, the whole thing was just an emotional toll and it was tough. Um, you know, it was time to move on and do something else. And unfortunately, that's the way it worked out. You know, I always wonder in that whole sliding doors sort of thing, what would have happened had I stayed? You know, would I have moved on? Would I be in Imagineering? Would I be an industrial engineer? Would I be doing something else? Or would I still be still be in an area, maybe like the Emporium, maybe in some uh, other merchandise area, or maybe even an attraction where I maybe am now a supervisor? And I don't know. The answer is, I really don't know. You know, I, I'm very happy with the way my life has gone. I've, uh, things have worked out very well for me. I'm not complaining in any way. I'm very happy. Very happy. Have some great kids. The whole the whole thing there. So I can't I can't complain about it at all. I can only wonder how it might have been different. No regrets or anything. Just wonder how it might have been different. 
Now, the other thing about being a cast member is that it's, it's a commitment. It's a true commitment. It's a lifestyle. Because remember, you're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There are no Monday through Friday jobs, really. I mean, there are some, but there are really no Monday through Friday jobs, you know, eight to five or anything like that. You really work whenever you're needed, even in the engineering groups or Imagineering. You work as many hours as you need to to get stuff done, and you work around the clock, and you do the things you need to do. And sometimes if you're in Florida and they need you in in, uh, California, you go there, or you get an assignment to help out with something maybe in uh, Hong Kong, and you go and you do that. And that's part of the role. That's part of what you do. And, you know, it is really a lifestyle. It's not just a job. And it's a difficult thing to to comprehend, Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's a, it's a choice we all make in our lives. You know, what's, what's right for you. And that's why I say there are absolutely no regrets because I'm very happy. I get to spend a lot of time with my family now. You know, my kids are growing up and they're big Disney fans and I'm very happy for that. I'm so excited that they're, that they're enjoying Disney, but I don't have to wonder if I'm, if I'm spending enough time with them because I'm a professional employee at a, at a large company, but I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about the fact that I have to work a lot of nights or that I have to go somewhere for long periods, extended periods, periods of time to do something. I can be home and I can be with them. And, you know, that's, that's the trade-off. You know, clearly the next step for me was they wanted to make me the control stock lead for closing in the Emporium. The person who had been doing it most of the time I was there had moved on and gotten a temporary supervisor role. And so they wanted somebody to, do, uh, to fill in for the lead. And I was the next logical choice, and I had already been talked to about it. But unfortunately, the timing was just wrong. And, you know, this, I, th- I think, in retrospect, when I look back on it now, I think it might have happened that had I done that, I might have stayed, and I might have grown into some other role, and I might have changed and, you know, done something else with myself. Uh, you know, my life might be completely different now. And I'm not sad about my decision to leave, but I you know, I still kind of wonder because that was, that was the choice that was before me. Should I do this or should I do that? And, you know, I'm, it's, it's all good. It's, it works for me because I can still go visit the parks all I want. And who knows, maybe someday down the road, um, maybe I go back to work there. I told you early in the podcast that one of the things that Disney looks for is that you really have the experience. You really understand the traditions of Disney. You really know what it's all about. And if you ever want to get into a professional role, you really have to understand that. And one of the things that I was clued into at some point was sometimes they like people to go have that experience at Disney, leave, go get real-world experience outside of Disney, and then come back. So who knows? Maybe that works out for me someday. Maybe. Or maybe I just go back and, you know, I just work back in the Emporium again or something else or, you know, go and uh, take tickets. Who knows? That may happen for me at some point in the future. But for now, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is and just go take the park in and enjoy it and relish it and have some great times and uh, really, really uh, take it in. Now, in the future, I'll probably give you some more stories, you know, intersperse some stories about being a cast member and different things that are going on. But I wanted you to get a feel for what it was like. You know, I was working strange hours, and long days, and, you know, the the pay never got to be anything great. It was absolutely more than minimum wage, no question about it. But it wasn't, you know, a professional salary, you know, where you're making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. Nothing like that. But you know what? You trade it off for fun. And at that point in my life, it was the absolute right job to do. Maybe I could have done it sooner. Maybe. I don't know. But I'm certainly glad that I did it when I did it. And uh, before I had kids and before I, you know, wanted to settle in and start doing other things, I'm very glad I did that. 
because I think it was just so such a good experience. And I look back on it and I, I think about how much I learned and how much I enjoyed and I think to myself, wow, that was that was great. And it was uh, well worth the time that I spent there. So there you go. That's my podcast for this week and I am out. See you later. We hope you enjoyed the Dave's Disney View podcast. Now, please watch your head and step as you exit the moving vehicle. Take small children by the hand. The moving conveyor belt and your ride vehicle are moving at equal and opposite speeds. So please, watch your step. And thanks for joining us on Dave's Disney View podcast. From all of us, thanks for riding along with us. If you have questions or comments, or just would like to contact Dave, send him an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. 